Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. John chapter number 13, John chapter number 13, started a series last week uh, entitled One Another, uh, a guide to strengthening and building uh, God-given relationships. If you didn't get a handout, you can throw your hand up. That's my favorite thing to say. Like, I think that, I don't know. For the longest time, I used to, when we, when I was like doing the Crosspoint Instagram, when we first got it started, I would always put, see you at church. What was it? I think I even made it into a hashtag, like see you Sunday in 219 or something, because that was our room number, because we always had people like, what room number are you in? What room number are you in? So I said, see you Sunday at 219. And I thought like it was the most clever thing ever. Like I just thought like it was just going to make scores of people show up to church. Like if someone searched the hashtag see you Sunday in 219, they would find our class. But uh, I was talking to one of the guys uh, that like was on our staff that probably knew a little bit more about social media at that point. I was telling him about it. He was like, "Yeah, that's not how that works." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So then I stopped doing that. But um, hand up, hand or hand out. Get your hand up is probably my second favorite thing to say in Crosspoint. John chapter number thirteen. In our series, One Another, um, last week we talked about members one of another and how that we as Christians are called to operate alongside of each other. We're called to operate as one body, Christ being the head. And that when we lose unity or when we fail to recognize that, when we make the body of Christ about ourselves, we miss out on many of the blessings of the body. And so second, the second lesson that we're going to look at today is from John chapter number 13, uh, the call to love one another, the call to love one another. And so John chapter number 13, we'll begin reading in verse number 31 to kind of set some context. You should recognize or you may recognize some of the verses in this passage, Uh, but let's begin reading in verse number 31. The Bible says this, Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. Some of those verses, when we read them uh, in our Bible, we're kind of like, what's happening, all right? Basically, in this passage, uh, John is writing saying that if Jesus is glorified, the, son, when, the reason why we know that Jesus is the Son of God is because of his glorification process, his glorification process both here on earth and in heaven that says if God be glorified in him, then God shall also, also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him, meaning this, that if God is glorified through the life of Jesus Christ, then that must mean that he is bringing glory to God and that he will also be glorified as a result of that. Now, let me just say this, okay? That's not just a charge or this has nothing to do with the lesson. That's not just um, an example of Jesus Christ. That is true also in our life. 
that when we place the priority on glorifying God, that is where promotion and glorification in our life even begins to occur. That's not to say that we do things the right way and we do things a godly way and we glorify him with the motive of being glorified, but God blesses and protects and does and glorifies and promotes those who glorify him as well. So verse number 33, little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Would you read verse number 35 out loud together with me? Ready, begin. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one, for one to another. <laughs> that was my fault. Um, one to another. We started this series and kind of the theme or the thought behind it has been this. That if we are going to look to the harvest and if we are going to reach people, we are also called as Christians to make the body of Christ appear the way that God intended it to appear. It does us no good to look to the harvest, and when the harvest reflects its eyes and gaze back to us, when the lost sees us, that they see a disjointed body, that they see an unloving body. And so as we talk over one another for the next few weeks, I want you to keep in the back of your mind that this does not just impact you. The way that you impact each other, the world is by having a love and a heart one to another and one for another. And so with that in mind, let's pray and we'll ask the Lord to help us in today's lesson. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your calling. Lord, we thank you for the example that you set. And God, I ask that you would um, continue to bless this class. Lord, I pray that you bless those in this class. Lord, may we seek to glorify you and may we seek to love one another, not just so that we can experience the blessings of love here within the church and within our midst, but Lord, so that others, when they look to us, may also see just how loving and how called we are, how good you are because of the love that we show toward one another. I pray that you would bless me, give me the words to say, Lord. I pray that you would uh, just calm calm the spirit within me and that you would uh, just help me to say that which is helpful and applicable to these young adults. In your name we pray, amen. Love is something that we talk a lot about, but we are not the greatest at. It is definitely one of the things that I feel like that the world has taken and it has twisted and it has turned into something that is displeasing to God. It doesn't look anything like scriptural love. The Bible actually breaks, or the Greek language actually breaks love down into multiple words. You've heard that illustration many times, so I'm not going to take the time to rehearse it. But most of what we call love here in this earth and in our society is not Christ-like love. It looks nothing like Christ-like love. And so for us as Christians, what we must be careful of is to not say that we love one another, but yet it looks more like the world's love than it does Christ's love. And in this passage, Jesus makes a very strong call and a very strong command to love one another. But there's a few things that are working here in this passage that I want you to see. And the first one is this, is the example of love. You know, sometimes we're really good at quoting verse number 35, but we're not the greatest at understanding the context of it, okay? Before you ever get to the command to love one another, Jesus gives an example of love. And he uses himself as an example. And here's what we 
miss so often in loving one another and loving our brethren is it is not a manipulative love. It's not a carnal love. It's not a love that is defined by culture. It is a love that is like Christ, meaning this, that it is sacrificial and not selfish, that it has more to do with the other person than it does you. The truth is, is that sometimes we use love to get what we want rather than using love to get what the other person needs, okay? We use love as a way to basically meet our needs rather than seeing love as a way to meet the needs of someone else. And in verse number 31 and 32, when the glorification process of Jesus Christ is mentioned in this passage, it's showing us that the glorification process of Christ included a sacrificial love. If Jesus never dies on the cross, there's a good chance that we're not talking about him 2,000 years later. If Jesus doesn't die for our sins, if Jesus doesn't train his disciples in love and mentor and lead them to the place to where they can go out and change the world, we don't have anything to talk about in this room and we're probably not even a church in existence at, this, at that point. But because of the example of Christ and his love toward those around him, we are still talking about his actions and his life and his death and his gospel 2,000 years afterwards, which means this. Sometimes we misconstrue what it takes to impact those around us. We assume that if we're popular, if we're, we have an influence on social media, or if we have money, or if we have this, or, or if we have good security, or if we have a likable personality, and we, we go through all of these things that we think, well, this is what causes me to make an impact. And what Jesus Christ exhibits in this verse is simply this, that if you can love, you can make an impact. If you can put yourself aside, you can make an impact. The problem that we face is that the world doesn't teach us to sacrifice for someone else, does it? It teaches us to go and seek after our own happiness. It teaches us to do what is popular. It teaches us to do what is convenient. I can promise you this, that if you love like Christ, a lot of those things are not going to be synonyms to the way that Christ loves. Christ's love was not convenient. Christ's love was definitely not selfish. Christ's love was definitely not something that he just squeezed into a weekend. Christ's love was something that exhibited selflessness. It was something that exhibited sacrificial living. And for you and I, what we have to do as Christians in 2022 is stop assuming that our love is going to fit perfectly in a little box to where it fits perfectly into a calendar event. That at Tuesday at 6.30 p.m., I'm going to love on someone, Okay. It may mean that when that friend is hurting you, hurting and, and maybe even at a low point in their life, that may not be the most convenient time for you. It may mean that when you get thrust into an opportunity to serve, that you're stepping there thinking, how in the world did this happen to me? Okay. It may very well mean that that's not the best time for you, but it is an opportunity for you to love. Love is not something that is always cut and dry. Jesus Christ's love shows us that. And so the first thing that we need to understand is before we ever get to the point to where Christ sets the bar here, he is someone who has set the bar way up here and he's just calling us to get to this point. Christ is not asking us to do something that he did not exhibit himself. 
which is one of the great joys of the Christian life. Most other religions, here's what they do, is they set the bar here, and if you go and you trace the steps of history, or you trace the steps of that faith or that religion, is that they set the bar here for their followers, but many of the people who led it and developed it were way down here. And one of the things that you will find in Christianity is this, is that Christ has set the bar here, but he has also lived above and beyond anything that we can ever imagine. He's calling us to a sacrificial love after he has sacrificed his own life. He is calling us to a selfless love after he has exhibited selflessness. And for you and I, when we step back and we think about love, here's what the verse that comes to my mind every single time, is that we love him because he first loved us. You will never be able to wrap your mind around loving someone else who is unlovely until you realize that Jesus Christ loved you when you were unlovely. It's hard to love people that aren't like you unless you have received that love from someone else. So first of all, the example of love. And secondly is this, the context of love. The context of love. He gives us his life as an example, but I want you to see verse number 33. I don't know that I've ever noticed this until I was studying this passage this week. But he says this, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, Whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say unto you. The command that he's getting ready to give about love, he says in the context of this, I'm not going to be here for long. I'm not going to be here to love others. See what I was talking about? We all sneeze, all right? I'm not going to be here to love people, so that is now your job. Jesus said this. He says, I am the light of the world, okay? A couple of years ago, we went through the I am statements of the book of John that Jesus made, okay? But one of the things we pulled out in that series was this. He says, I am the light of the world. You skip towards the end of the Gospels, and what, it, what does the statement eventually turn into? Ye are the light of the world, meaning this. That while Jesus was here, he was the light of the world and continues to be the light for us to point people to. But he is no longer physically present to point people to himself, meaning this, is that he needs smaller lights to point to the greater light. And I want you to watch this. In verse number 33, what he tells his disciples is this, is that I'm not going to be here to love people alongside of you. I'm no longer here to help the hurting. I'm no longer here to heal the sick. I'm no longer here to love people and exemplify that love. So who am I passing the mantle onto? I'm giving it to you. And sometimes what we assume is this. We assume that, well, because God is love, then that means the whole world just needs to know about it. You are the vehicle and the avenue to where others experience that love. That's your job. Sometimes you drive around town and you, or you, if you are in Christian world or anything at all, you see this little sign to where cross equals heart, okay? It's like hieroglyphics, like Christian hieroglyphics, okay? And it's cool and it's trendy and it looks great on a t-shirt and all that stuff, okay? But watch this. If no one knows what that cross means, they don't know anything about the heart or the love. 
if they look at that cross and they have a Christian co-worker who's been a jerk, that cross doesn't equal love. If they have a friend or someone who has, who has been ugly to them or Christians who have hurt them, then the cross that Jesus Christ died on does not equal love because a Christian didn't exhibit the Christ-like kind of love that they should have. And the whole setting of this command is this, is that I'm not going to be here. So in light of me not being here to love someone, now you've got to. So let me ask you a question. How are you doing with loving someone else? Can I just be completely honest with you? I am the first person in the world who wants to go and sit at home and look straight up and not have anything to think about, all right? Like, that is my personality type. Like, I'm, I, like I would rather not, I could go all day and not talk to anyone, and I would get to the end of my day and be like, today was a great day, all right? <laughs> <coughs> not saying it's godly, I'm just saying it was a good day, all right? Not everyone is like that. Some of you, like, you're like, I went all day without talking to anybody. I did, I did 100 tasks on my to-do list, but I didn't talk to anybody. Today is horrible, all right? I get that. God made everybody different, okay? But watch this. It doesn't matter if you're ultra-relational or if you're ultra-introvert, okay? I should have used extrovert, stink, all right? If you're ultra extroverted or ultra introverted, all of us on any ski, on any place of that spectrum can miss loving someone else. Okay? The ultra introvert can go and lock themselves in a room and read a book and just think about absolutely nothing. Just let their mind be mush, okay? Sometimes I wish my mind was mush, all right? But you can just do absolutely nothing and you can think today was a good day and you completely miss loving people. The ultra introvert can become so relationally needy that you just run to everybody and everybody is just, you're so excited to see people, okay? And you never once even take into the concept of what they need. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited to see you. I can't wait to hang out with you. Let's go eat a cheeseburger. Let's go have coffee. Let's blah, 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 okay? And you just rattle off all these things that you need and per the person might be sitting there thinking, I need you to back up, all right? You never consulted their needs. You met your needs through a relationship, meaning this, that both sides of that spectrum has to think about how to love someone else. And I want you to see this. One of the things that Laura and I get an opportunity to talk about in premarital counseling is this, is the, man, is the needs of a man and woman are drastically opposite, okay? They are so opposite that it will tick you off, okay? But here's, what, here's the re thing that she's always the one who brings it out because I can't remember what to say from time to time, all right? She, but one of the things she says, she's like, I've always wondered why Christ did, why God made us like that, and here's why. If God would have made the person you married exactly like you, you would not have had to sacrifice, right? You wouldn't have had to go outside of your comfort zone to love them in a way that is Christ. Like if they were just like you, then guess what? You could just go and do what you wanted to do. If Lauren Michelle Norris wanted to go home and sit and watch basketball and football all day on Saturday and never go out on a date, that would be awesome, okay? <laughs> and the truth is that she does it probably more than what she wants to, all right? But guess what? 
That's not her main need. Her main need is is one-on-one time, which means that some Saturdays we need to go and do something as a family. Some Saturdays it needs to be me and her and not just me and 50 other people, okay? Sometimes I have to step out of what I want to do to go and do what she wants to do and vice versa. And sometimes when we step back and we look at this spectrum of introvert, extrovert, what we end up saying is, well, I want love to fit into my box. I want love to fit into who I am. When what Christ-like love is, is this. It is you stepping outside of your box to love someone else. It's the extrovert not worrying about meeting their relational needs and saying, what can I do for you? How can I spend time with you? How can I encourage you? It's the introvert saying, how can I get out of my closet and go see you? Okay. It's someone sitting down and writing a note. It's taking time for someone else. It's going and making a visit that you don't need to make. It's sending someone a text that you didn't have to send. It's being and running alongside of someone at a low point. And it doesn't matter where you're at on that. Christ calls us to step out of that because guess what? He's not here to do it. And if that person is walking with God, yes, they'll have the presence of God. Yes, they'll have a peace that passeth all understanding. But it is our job as Christians to love them at the place that they're at. So first of all, the example of love. Secondly, the context of love. And then thirdly, and we'll fly through these subpoints, is the command of love. The command of love. Before Christ ever commands, I want you to see this. He lives it out. He not only lives it out, he gives us the why behind the what, and then he gives us the command. Sometimes as millennials or Gen Z or Gen T or whatever we're at now, all right, we have problems with the commands of Scripture. And I want you to see this. We have a problem with a command because it's hypocritical. We have a problem with a command or a rule because we don't know the why behind the what. In this scenario, Jesus gives an example and lives it out, but he also gives the why behind the what. He says, I did this, so I'm now going to leave. This is why you need to do this, and then this is what you need to do. And he gives the command in verse number 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one one to another. So here's what I want you to see about this command. First of all, notice that the command is new. Notice that the command is new. A new commandment I give unto you. It's interesting to me that Christ says that. And here's why. When someone gets ready to introduce a new concept, they have to draw attention to it, right? If you're sitting in a math class and your teacher walks up and says, all right, we're getting ready to learn something new, that's probably a good class for you not to fall asleep in, right? Like, oh, stink. I just completely missed the whole, like, subtraction lesson because I wasn't there or whatever. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) When something is new, there's a tension drawn to it. Why? Because it's something that you haven't heard before, meaning this that these disciples were getting ready to hear something that was probably sounded a little bit off, right? You don't have a lot of Old Testament commands about loving one another, right? You have a lot of Old Testament commands like if that person steals your donkey, kill him, okay? Like you have the right to kill him. If, if 
whatever, all right? We're not going to go into Old Testament law today, all right? But that's kind of the way that these disciples were raised. That's, that's what they knew. And so here Jesus breaks through all of that and says, I'm getting ready to give you something new. And he's probably like, Peter, wake up, all right? Here it comes. A new commandment I give unto you, meaning this, that if it was new, it was most likely going to be revolutionary. If it was something that Jesus Christ had to uh, draw attention to, the newness of it, it probably also was drawing attention to the priority and the emphasis of it. And so the commandment was new, but then notice secondly, is not only is the commandment new, but the commandment is modeled. Once again, he says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, watch this, as I have loved you. He reminds them once again, this is not me telling you to do something that I'm not willing to do. With all of the hypocrisy in the world, this is not a rule for thee and not for me. You've heard that a ton if you watch the news, all right? This is something that I have modeled. But then thirdly, is the command is internal. He says that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. I know that for us as a church, we do a thing every year um, called We Love the Borough. Okay? And I, as someone who stands up in front of the church, I know that I talk a lot about loving your neighbors and loving those around you, and those are still commands of Scripture. But it's always intrigued me that Jesus, when he looks at his own disciples, reminds them that they're supposed to love each other. Okay? When we stand up, and sometimes we at missions conferences, we're always really good at this. Or when we talk about outreach and we talk about loving our neighbors, we're always like, we should love everybody. Okay? And we make it real spiritual and we, we put pictures of people that we should love and like, we're just trying to really pull at people's heartstrings because we should love the whole world. And it's like, we don't even know the whole world, all right? But we should love. But in this passage, it's always been so interesting to me that Jesus, when he looks at his disciples, he doesn't say, all right, guys, we're going to start a We Love Jerusalem project, all right? We're going to take meals to people. We're going we're gonna to do this. He doesn't look at them and say, you guys should love the whole world. Like, here's a picture of a kid in, in another country. Like, you should love him, all right? He looks at him and he says, you should love one another. And you know what sometimes we miss? Not sometimes. Is that we sit in missions conferences and we shake our heads and we fill out our little, little giving statement like, I'm going to give $20 to the world because I love the world, Okay. Or I'm going to take barbecue to my neighbor because I love them. And sometimes we're so good at loving the world that we stink at loving each other. That, we, that, that we're better at loving people we don't know than we are at loving the person who sits across the aisle from us. And that's not the command that Christ gave in this passage. In fact, if you want to get technical... The command to love the world is not a command at all. It's for God so loved the world, meaning this, that God loved the world. We're just supposed to love each other. 
And if you want to know one of the great disqualifiers of the church in 2022 is that we're better at loving people we don't know than loving people we do know. We're better at, at loving people that will spend eternity in hell than we are at loving people who will spend eternity in heaven alongside of us. It's going to be a really awkward judgment seat when some people get to heaven. All right? Like, oh, man, I'm in line beside this. Have you ever watched little kids who don't want to stand in line beside each other? That's kind of how I picture heaven. Like, oh, man, I got, I'm by so-and-so. Are you serious? I want to be the line leader. That's what heaven's going to look like if it weren't for sin, all right, if it weren't for Christ making all things perfect. But that's the world that we live in right now. And what Christ is telling us is the love that we have should be internal toward each other. So here's the question. Is there anyone that is called by the name of Jesus Christ that you say, I honestly just don't love that person? They did this to me. They hurt me. They, they looked at me wrong. They wore the same Easter dress as me. Whatever, all right? Because the command is internal, and here's why. And lastly is this. The command is distinctive. The command is distinctive. He said that the command to love internally is what is going to make you different and distinct. He said this, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples and that ye love one another. Sometimes we work so hard to make ourselves distinct as Christians and yet we have bitterness toward another Christian. Sometimes we assume, well, I don't cuss, I don't drink, I, I don't date girls who do, all right, whatever, all right, the little rhyme that everybody makes and says, okay? I cut my hair high and tight, like I don't do this. We work so hard to be distinct, and then we're ugly. Not ugly physically, all right? We're ugly in how we treat each other. We don't go out of our way to love someone sacrificially. Oh, yeah, we're distinct in this big list of things, but we are not distinct in how we love one another. And it, right now, what the world needs to see is it needs to see a church that is on the same mission. And you know what is becoming so difficult? Is that there has never been more division in the church, in my opinion, in history, okay? I've never seen so many people that have so many separate agendas than the one that Christ has. Well, I want to accomplish this. I want to do this. I want, like, I want to use the church for this. I want to, use, okay, whatever, all right? Our job as Christians is to love one another. And that is the distinguishing factor, okay? So can I leave you with a challenge and then we'll pray? And then, um, Jordan, if you want to come do prayer requests, okay? Can I leave you with one challenge this week, okay? How can you sacrificially love someone else in the body of Christ. It may mean that if you have $27 in your bank account, you need to go and buy someone a $20 gift card. Okay? Oh, seriously? Live, seven, live on $7? You can get like three cheeseburgers out of $7, right? It may mean that you need to step outside of your little calendar <coughs> and say, I'm going to love someone. I'm going to take someone out to coffee. I'm going to spend time with someone. I'm going to spend time that I don't have loving on someone. 
I'm going to spend money that I don't need to spend on loving on someone. I'm going to go through, I'm going to spend time on thinking about how to love someone else because Christ set the example. He's not here to love someone else. And I've been given a command that is new, that is called for me to love someone else that Christ has modeled. And it is going to be a distinguishing factor in my life in this world. With every head back. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.